that phrase, that's life, is that a positive phrase? Is that a negative phrase? Like you say that sometimes when, uh, when something doesn't work, you say, that's life. What are you saying when you say that's life? Are you saying life sucks? That's why things don't work out. Or are you saying, oh, when things don't work out, that's full of life. That's where the fullness of life is. Which are you saying? Are you on the negative side of things? Probably the, more the first one than the second one. Um, here's, here's your warm-up question. What did you plan for your life? You have to think back to when you were young and innocent, some of you. What did you plan for your life? I'm going to give you eight seconds to think about it. Back when you were first making life plans, what did you plan for your life? What was the plan? Just think about it for eight seconds. At age three, you were planning to be a superhero, and not just any superhero, you were planning to be Superman. Well, that worked out. That worked out. Excellent. What else? Yeah. No Speedos. No, 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 no. We're not that kind of church. Kent. You planned to be assassinated by age 40. That's interesting. That's a really interesting life plan. Because if you're going to be assassinated at age 40, it's going to mean that you're a very significant person, that they're out to get you. We'll pray for you after the service. <laughs> there are also some dark sides to that life plan, but interesting. All right, well, this is a little more interesting than I thought it would be. All right, what else? Life plans. What did you plan for your life? Here's some more. Who else? Yeah, Francesca. Um, well, a lot, but I wanted to be a doctor and then realized it was a lot of work. So I just, <laughs> you wanted to be a doctor, but you realized that actually was a lot of work. So I ended up marrying one, so it kind of worked. So you married a doctor. <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> you didn't become a doctor because that's a lot of work. You became a dancer. You're like the most physically disciplined person I know. You couldn't do med school? I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Interesting. All right, one more. Who's got, who's got cool life plans? What did you plan for your life back then? Yeah, Margaret. From the time I was young, I wanted to be a martyr. You wanted to be a martyr. You and Ken get, get, can't get together after service. And uh, do we just attract people like this to Blue Water Mission? Is that, is that, is that, is that the thing? How many of you didn't plan for your life? How many of you had no life plans and you were just kind of coasting, you just sort of groping your way along day to day, week to week, year to year, so hoping that something would work out? How many of that? How many plan just to not answer my questions today? <laughs> yeah, okay. It's a good plan. See how it works out for you. Um, how did your life plans work out on a scale of 1 to 10? How did your specific life plans work out? Any 10s? Woo. 1. Uh, you're going to bring up the average, Lori. Uh, any 1s? 5s? Again, you're not answering my questions today. All right, I'm just going to keep talking until you do. That'll serve you right. 
I think a lot of times what, what happens is that people have life hopes, but they don't have uh, life plans. And so it's always a provocative question to ask people, what are you planning? You know, uh, I think that purposeful planning is the key to life. I mean, last year, uh, last week rather, we uh, did a whole sermon on, on New Year's resolutions. I love the idea of kind of having a clear idea of what your life purpose is because it's hard to hit uh, the target if you don't know what the target is. And, you know, we talk about stuff like that a lot at, at Blue Water Mission. Uh, but so here's a question. Uh, I thought I got this awkward week uh, after uh, New Year's. Uh, people are still coming back from their travels. Can't really start a new sermon series yet. So a one-off sermon, and it's a follow-up to the New Year's resolution sermon. And uh, the, 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 the sermon is about uh, when resolutions don't work out. Because let's be realistic. We're one week into the year. How many of you have already broken New, year, New Year's resolutions? <laughs> Confession time. It'll be forgiveness time later. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, sometimes uh, our best intentions do not work out the way that we want them to. And very often our best plans do not work out uh, the way that we want them to. And very often at the transition of one year from another, we're in that headspace where we're thinking, well, that didn't work. <laughs> You know, what am I going to do now that that plan hasn't worked out? What, what can I do to fix this? Or will this plan ever work out? Those are the sorts of questions that we tend to ask ourselves in early uh, January. Now, next week, we're having a prophecy service. It's an annual tradition at Blue Water. We do a January prophecy service. And the idea is that people come uh, to the prophecy service because we're in that headspace at the beginning of the year. And we give the Lord an opportunity to speak direction and guidance into your lives or into the lives of people that you bring. Uh, Kwok said during his announcement a few minutes ago, please come with faith to the prophecy service. And let me just say parenthetically, please do come with faith. It really, really helps the prophets do their ministry when people show up with faith. And it really, really hurts the prophets when people show up, just kind of, eh, uh, atmosphere counts for a lot. So your part is to, to come in faith and then, of course, come with desire if you want to hear a uh, word from the Lord, some direction, because we always get a lot of great stories out of our prophecy service. The Lord speaks uh, specific words of guidance and encouragement to people. But here's the thing about prophecy, not to be dissuasive. When the Lord speaks direction into your life, when the Lord gives you a prophecy, a revelation, some sort of guidance, it actually increases the faith demands on your life, right? It, it increases your clarity, but it does not necessarily increase your ease. Here's why. Uh, oh, a couple of reasons. One, uh, when the Lord gives you a prophetic word or one of these prophets gives you a prophetic word, no matter how good their track record is, you have to generate enough faith to trust the word and act on it, right? Uh, and so that's, a, you know, there are no guarantees about these things. Uh, so, you know, just acting on a prophecy uh, takes some faith, takes some trust, takes a little bit of spiritual muscle. We're Blue Water Mission. We're kind of used to that. Uh, so maybe it's easier for you than it would be for a normal person. Uh, but still, it's going to take a little bit of faith. And secondly, because God typically tells you 
exactly what's going to happen in such a way that when it happens, you're totally surprised. That's just his signature. That's how he does conversation. And if you've ever read this book called The Bible, you see it everywhere. Uh, my favorite example is, is the most predicted, prophesied event in all of scripture was the birth of Christ. Uh, hundreds of prophecies about the birth of Christ. And yet when Jesus was born, everybody missed it. Except, you know, some magi who were searching the skies and, and, uh, and seeking through scripture. Um, he fulfilled all the prophecies, but nobody realized it at the time. It looked different than they thought it was going to look. And that's just kind of how God works in life. And I think he does that so that there is space for faith, right? He will give you guidance, but there's always a little faith test involved. Those of you who have been following Jesus for a long time, is that true? Amen. Right? Things tend to work out in a way in which you can see the fingerprints of God, but you would never have written it down in your plan that way. Correct? More or less. Um, yeah, now I'm getting some nervous chuckles. Uh, yeah, God likes to leave a space for trust. And, and, and you read through all the great stories, the stories about the heroes of scriptures, and there's always this, I call it the scandal of plan making. Um, there's every, every time one of the heroes makes a plan, it doesn't work out, but something great still works out. It's kind of funny uh, that way. And it just, I don't name a hero. Moses, he's going to be the deliverer of his people, the Israelites from Egypt. So he starts out by murdering an Egyptian. That was the plan, right? The Egyptian was physically abusing an Israelite slave, and so Moses killed him. Well, that didn't go well. He ended up running out into the wilderness and, and hiding in a foreign country with foreign people for 40 years. Then he becomes the deliverer of Israel. It just took uh, 40 years in the wilderness. And then when he led the Israelites out in the wilderness, there was another 40 years of walking in circles. That didn't go well. Eventually it worked, but he would have never planned it the way um, that it worked out. Uh, you think of David, God anointed him as king. Man, it was decades before he actually became king. And in between, he was running for his life, a fugitive. And then when he became king, you know, he would sometimes make grave errors that resulted in the death of people or he committed adultery with another man's wife. It was uh, a scandal of plans. Uh, Elijah, maybe the uh, the most powerful prophet of the Old Testament got so depressed at a certain point because even he, the great prophet, could not see God working things out in the world. He got so depressed, he went into the wilderness to die. He wanted to commit suicide. An angel showed up, fed him some pancakes and gave him some water and sent him to uh, the holy mountain, uh, Mount Oreb, uh, where God showed up and grandly said, get back to work. <laughs> I'm working it out. Don't worry about it. And that was essential. We could go on and on and on. Some of my favorite examples. And you see that in the New Testament as well. Uh, Peter is going to be the rock on which Jesus builds the church. And immediately after that, he denies Christ on the weekend of the crucifixion. You know, this, that plan didn't work out. But of course, eventually it did. Even Jesus at a certain point in his life in the Garden of Gethsemane is like, if you can do this any other way, I would appreciate it, God. You know, 
bled from his forehead. He was praying so hard through his own frustration and intimidation. And uh, of course, he ended up pulling it off uh, perfectly. Evidently, when things don't work out, that's life. I mean, that is life. That's where abundance and fullness is. It's certainly where abundance of trust and faith and then everything related to that miracle working, destiny, purpose, that's how it works. Because without faith, it's never going to work out healthily. You know, and so God has to wreck plans uh, from time to time. So now turn to the person to your left, your right, in front of you, behind you, and say, that's life. Like a good, like a good Mediterranean. You got to use your hands. It's life. Lahayan, yeah, that's right. This is my Chinese Jewish wife. That is life. You know, and it's not that we're adrift in chaos. It's just uh, how God uh, likes to do things. And there's all these great encouragement. I was thinking of, there's an abundance of scriptures uh, that have to do with this sort of plans working out when plans don't work out aspect to life in, in the kingdom of God. Uh, one of my favorites, man, I quote this all the time, is from Proverbs uh, 16. Uh, in the NIV, it reads uh, this way. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. In his heart, a man makes plans, but the Lord determines his steps, how he actually gets through life. Read that, and then I want to give you a test. My test is this. Is that reassuring or frustrating, that verse? You're like, ah, well, the Lord's determining my steps, so don't sweat it. Or is it like, you're saying my plans aren't going to work out. How do you take it? Reassuring? Because I have primed you with great faith <laughs> in this sermon. I don't know, man. I have a love-hate relationship with the verse, which is why I quote it so often. You know, because uh, I'm a big plan maker. I'm a big goal setter. And then they don't work out. And, you know, and then I'm supposed to say, well, the Lord is determining what's happening. And then I'm like, well, why doesn't he cooperate? <laughs> and then I complain. And uh, a direct correlation is, is Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6, that you got to commit to the Lord. And he will make your paths straight. Yeah, yeah. He always understands uh, better than you do. Another verse that I bet a lot of you uh, have committed uh, to memory is a memory verse from Romans 8. 8.28 is the one that, that uh, people typically uh, quote. But um, I'll read uh, 26 uh, through 28. Just because I think it's fun. Be up on the, on, the, on the big board behind us. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. This is the Lord saying, like, even when you don't know where, 
what's going on, where you should go. The Holy Spirit is himself interceding through you to God, like help this guy out, you know, help this person make it. That's kind of comforting. And he who searches our hearts uh, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. At least the Spirit knows (laughs) what the Lord's will is, even if our plans do not recognize it fully. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The reason I like all of those verses together is because of the juxtaposition in the opening verses 26 and 27. You get the idea that, well, the spirit is working through you in some mysterious spiritual way to pray for you because you're confused. You're confused. Uh, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He's going to work it out. He's going to plan your steps, and ultimately your feet are going to fall where he wants them to fall because you have been called according to his purpose. And that's the killer line for me, you know, because it just sort of characterizes my life. I'm trying so hard to walk in the purpose of God. I'm trying so hard to fulfill my purpose in life, my God-given purpose in life. And the Spirit's like, man, I'm going to pray for you. I'm like... I know what God's will is. So I'm going to pray for you even though you don't even know what to pray. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm dedicated to purpose. I'm dedicating to hitting this target. Yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> you know, it, it's just so accurate. You know, it's, so, it's so true to life. That's life, man. And, and the reassurance is that even in the confusion, even though the Holy Spirit himself has to uh, pray that I make it, during my best intentions, uh, somehow God's going to work it all out uh, uh, for good. It's like we live in, in, in the ocean of God's sovereignty. In, in, in the scripture, the ocean is always a symbol of chaos. It's a symbol of great uncertainty. Whenever you have dreams about boats on the ocean, it's usually about navigating an uncertain time of life. And, and the ocean is this like, the, the symbol of chaos, but it's sort of held in the hands of God's sovereignty. You know, it, like, he can put it wherever he wants. Uh, he's, uh, we might feel adrift on the waves, but you know, he always knows where we're going and can tip us in the direction uh, that we need to go. Uh, Every victory we have, every defeat that we have, every progression we have, every setback we have, he weaves into our life purpose somehow. You know, every time we hit a dead end, you know, that's a signal for us that we should turn right or left. You know, we think it's a dead end. He thinks it's a signal. You get the idea, right? Another analogy I was thinking of. You guys ever played the harmonica? It's the beginner harmonicas they sell in keys. You can get like a harmonica in the key of D or in the key of F or something like that. And then you, you blow on it. You're always going to be in that key. If you're not musical, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you're playing the harmonica, you can play a bad note, but you can never play a note that's out of key. Um, so you'll always, you'll always be safe. And I just figured, you know, that, that's kind of life. You know, I may, not, I may not get the note right, but I'm le- at least I'm in the proper scale. At least I'm not out of tune. At least it sounds complementary uh, to the music that, that's uh, going on. 
So uh, the question is, uh, what's the way for a person of faith to navigate when their plans don't work out? If your plans haven't worked out in 2023, and when your plans don't work out in 2024, uh, what should you do? Take all of this scriptural wisdom, all this guidance from the Lord. What should you do uh, when things kind of go bust? Now, it could be like, oh, my New Year's resolutions have been frustrated. They haven't worked out the way that I want it. Bummer, what, what do I do? Or it could be like, wow, my dreams just broke. That kind of disappointment and frustration is at a whole other level, right? Either way, things haven't worked out. And what should you, person of faith, do when that, that's what happens, uh, when that's uh, how your life uh, works out? Uh, so a couple pieces of advice uh, I have uh, as a person who's had occasion to think about this a lot. Uh, number one, know that God's got your back. God's got your back, as today's verses indicate. You know, like, you had plans, but look, the Lord is still determining the course of your life, right? Um, if you're navigating with the Lord, even if you're confused, he's still getting you where you need to go. Jonah was uh, stuck in the belly of some great sea monster for three days, but when that monster vomited up, he was still en route to his journey. It vomited up in the right place. Uh, he was closer to Nineveh than he was when he started. Um, and sometimes life is like that. God's got your back. And, and this is not revolutionary. I'm not saying something that you haven't heard in 100 sermons before. Uh, but I want to say God's got your back because it's really worth sharing with one another every so often, you know? Worth turning to someone and saying, you know, God's got your back. Uh, like, that didn't work out, but this is going to work out. Right? The big picture is going to work out. God's got your back. Turn to somebody and say, yeah, God's got your back. And one thing uh, a community of faith can be is a place where people are constantly reminded of that because that's life, because frustration happens as, and because frustration is supposed to happen and that's where the wealth and the power is and it's so easy to forget. So it's really good if your Christian brothers and sisters look you in the eye every once in a while and say, oh, God's got your back, though. It's going to work out. I need people to say that to me with authority a lot. Uh, because my plans like never work out, right? It's like, that's putting it mildly. Like they fail spectacularly, right? I'm excellent at failure. Um, and, uh, and so I want people with authority and with faith to say it to me. And that's just great ministry uh, worth keeping in mind. But, but that's a belief. I mean, it's going to work out. That's kind of a that's kind of belief. Faith isn't just a belief. Faith isn't what you believe. It's what you do with what you believe. So what's the faith step that you take uh, when things don't work out? And here's my best advice. I try to be like really practical, really nuts and bolts in the advice that I give in sermons. So here's my best advice when, when plans don't work out and you want to do something in, in faith, I would say attack life on both levels. What I mean by that is Keep your plans long, but your horizons short, right? Have your plans, have your goals, 
have your long-term map, but cultivate the ability to do something today and something this week. I have all these long-term plans. You know, I have, I have these long-term plans for the church, things that I would like to see happen. There's very little I can do today to make those long-term plans work out. But there's a lot that I can do to make today work out in a manner keeping with the big picture. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like that bumper sticker you read all the time. Think globally, act locally. You've got to think in terms of plans but you have to act in terms of you know, steps, right? You can't execute the whole journey today. And you, not, you have no idea the twists and turns that journey is going to take. But you can take a step today. And life really consists uh, in, in, in holding both in your brain simultaneously. Generally, I'm following that star. <laughs> um, not really sure if you know, I should go this way ultimately or that way ultimately, but this is what I will do, uh, this is what I will do today uh, to make at least a little bit of progress in, in that direction. I find myself saying a lot, well, that didn't work out. What's the best thing I can do now? That's life. That's life, like the laugh of faith. Are you following me? And there are just tons of verses all throughout Scripture uh, about this, uh, about um, keeping your horizon short and your goals long. Tons of, tons of Scriptures about this. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own, which is an interesting encouragement. Always makes me chuckle. Uh, Paul says to the Ephesians, uh, chapter uh, 5, um, redeem your time because the day is evil, right? It's like there's a lot of chaos and harm happening around you. Redeem today, you know. Um, win the day. Win the week, and the year will take care of itself. But you have to win the week. You have to win the week. Uh, and uh, James says, uh, don't plan what you do tomorrow. I will go to such and such city and do business there. Uh, your plans aren't going to work out. What does the Lord want for you today? It's the Living Bible uh, version of James 4. I can break that down a little bit more. You know, that's the concept, sort of think in long-term goals, but act today. And I can break that down a little more. So this is really down and dirty advice uh, for uh, this uh, immediate action when plans don't work out. This is the thing that I've learned to tell myself how I coach myself when my plans don't work out. Number one, act as if things are still kind of going to work out. Does that sound deeply theological? I mean, there's a lot of really sophisticated theology in that, actually. What I try to do is take all of these sort of big ideas and go, what does that actually mean? Well, on a day-to-day -day level, what, that, what this means for me, it's like I have these big goals, these plans, these prophetic directions. They never work out as they're supposed to. Uh, so I need to do something today. I need to do something this week. 
How do I help myself do it? Well, I think to myself, well, it's still going to kind of work out. It's just not going to work out like I thought it was. But there's still something to it. And therefore, I'm going to do something now that kind of heads that direction. You, you, get the, you get the idea? I constantly tell myself that. And when I tell myself that, I always get an idea. I always get uh, some sort of, of breakthrough. I think to myself, I need to adjust rather than despair. You know, make an adjustment rather than just stop uh, and quit. Um, you know, I'm a, uh, a hardwired depressive, so my temptation is always toward despair. Uh, but when I say, well, what if things are still kind of going to work out? That leads me to action, and action always helps. Um, uh, about uh, two and a half years ago, uh, I was going through just a horrendously difficult time and a lot of uh, some deaths and some destruction in my life and stuff like that. I was sitting in the living room one night and, and out of the blue, uh, apropos to nothing, uh, God started talking to me about uh, sailing, uh, which I love to do in life. I grew up sailing. It's my favorite thing ever. And then I hadn't sailed for years and years and years because I'd been busy doing, I don't know, ministry and stuff. Um, and, and the Lord spoke to me this way. This is exactly how he said it. He said, learn now as much as you can about what's happening in sailing. Learn, you know, the latest technologies and design and stuff like that. He told me to learn all about boats. So I immediately opened up my computer and I, you know, went on yacht sales sites and, you know, stuff that I could, of course, never afford. And I just started, well, what's happened in the last 10 years since I've sailed seriously? And uh, that led, as many of you know, to me uh, getting in a boat building project uh, in which I learned a lot of the stuff that I learned about design and construction and figured out how to build a boat fairly on the cheap. And I partnered with this builder who had lots of experience. Long story short, he ended up cheating me and sort of lost everything that I invested in, in the boat project. And uh, then there was like, uh, you know, he violated a contract. There was a court case. I had to learn how to be an international lawyer because I couldn't afford a lawyer. I represented myself. I won an international maritime boat case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, he's in, but he's in a different country, uh, and uh, there's a big judgment against him. He won't pay it, and he's not in the US. It would be simple if he were. And so you know, that's an apparent uh, dead end. Um, along the way, um, one of the things the Lord has told me to do in life is write. And at uh, All Church Retreat a couple years ago, we had this, this person who was visiting, a prophetically gifted gal, and uh, she came up to me during ministry time and just shouted a prophecy at me and said, you have to write. You have to write about what's happening in your life right now. Write, write, write. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> and so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to try to be obedient in all things. So I will write an article about this crazy boat building project. Uh, I shared about that a little bit. So I wrote an article, and uh, I thought it was a nice article. I sent it to the largest sail, sailing magazine in the world. And within 24 hours, the editor got back to me and said, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever written. We're publishing it. And this lead story in the uh, most beautiful thing I've ever read. Uh, and lots of praise. My builder, because of all the legal stuff, sent, had his lawyer sent her this threatening letter 
about oh, defamation and all of this nonsense. So she pulled the article and wouldn't print it 10 days before it was supposed to be printed. And now she won't speak to me anymore. And, uh, and so the article got wasted. Everything in this project has been horrendously uh, frustrating. And tons and tons of work, tons of learning, all at a loss. And it's one of, I would say, four things happening in my life right now that are kind of too painful to talk about it. But I'm talking about it because I love you. Nobody asked me about this after the CERN. <laughs> this is just an illustration. This is not me sharing. <laughs> this is me teaching, which is an entirely different thing. Leave the introvert alone. Thank you very much. Small group is going to bug me anyway. Yeah. yeah, my small group has no mercy for me. Um, so what I've done recently is I, I've, I've said this to myself. It's like, well, act as if it's kind of going to, to work out. So I'm like, well, you know, I go back to the very, very first thing the Lord told me. It's like, well, learn about what's going on in boat design and building and stuff like that. Hey, bud. Uh, and so I continue learning. Um, I, uh, most boats are, are built these days. Will somebody close that, please? Um, with uh, computer automated design, CAD software and stuff. So recently I've taught myself CAD software and design. I'm having lots of fun. This is sort of my hobby now, uh, designing high-tech things and computer automated design. I'm doing finite element analysis and computational fluid dynamics and stuff like that because I'm a total geek. You can talk to me about that if you are a, a geek. Um, God gave a word to me when the article got thwarted. I was super sad about it because uh, it was, it was a, a really nice piece of work. And it was a sign to me that things were working out in life. And then it crashed. And I was super sad about it. And I was complaining a couple afternoons after uh, the editor uh, shut the door on me. And the Lord said this to me, which I think just indicates how he often talks. He said, would you rather uh, write and publish a beautiful article or be the sort of person who can write beautiful articles? Right? Would you rather publish this or would you rather be a writer? You know? Uh, and I said, you're lucky you're God. <laughs> act as if things are kind of going to work out. So I've been working on other writing projects and trying to be faithful because, you know, the Lord has made me a writer, uh, so be it. That's what I mean, anyway, by acting as if things are still kind of going to work out. Act as if good things will come from this anyway. Good, progressive, godly, expansive, strengthening things. There you go. And then number two, and finally, ask God for steps. In a heart, a man makes plans. The Lord determines his steps. All right. When I say, what are you doing? Nothing's working out. He rarely answers that question. He's like, yeah. But when I say, all right, what's the step today? What's the step this week? He always answers that question. Always. And if you're really seeking guidance from the Lord, this is how to do it. I mean, make your plans, just hold them lightly. <laughs> if you want 
guidance, if you want actual coaching, ask them what you should do this week. Ask them what you should do next, you know. And uh, this is my favorite sort of prophecy, right? I like the prophecy that is like insanely practical. I like showing up at prophecy service and somebody says, call your mother. Um, because that's actually something that I can do. Well, my mother has passed. I have a stepmother. But you know what I mean. It's like this is what's going to take me further down the path. I rarely need help picking a path because I just have that kind of mind. Maybe you do, and the Lord will speak to you rather globally and strategically. But I bet everybody here needs a little encouragement, a little coaching, and like what to do next. How to make your path practical today, particularly if that path has run into some dead ends. So ask God for a step. What's, what's the thing that will win the week? And that, to me, is the frontier of faith most of the time. That's really the cutting edge of life most of the time. And that's what makes me creative and productive. And honestly, that kind of what, that's what keeps me going, uh, which is a, a victory uh, in itself. Recently, um, I got really frustrated with God because he was not cooperating at all uh, with my plans in life. And I felt a little bit overwhelmed. And so I, I prayed this prayer uh, one afternoon. And I said, look, is there any chance, God, is there any chance that any of my plans in life are ever going to work? I had a little bit of snark in the prayer, just a little bit of snark in the prayer, but the Lord totally used to it. Is there any chance that anything is going to work out? Because if nothing is ever going to work out, if everything is going to end in disaster, then I don't want to play anymore. I want to take my toys and go home. Uh, and, and the Lord said, and he answered the question, but of course he never answers the question directly. Uh, he answered the question by saying, ask permission. You know, what can I do? And so I've, I'm trying to do that. I don't think, I don't think it... I don't think he was saying, be frozen unless you're sure God is in what you're doing. I, I, I tell you for certainty that God has told me to do things. Under great conviction, I have done them, and they've still failed sometimes. Like, you know, like there's no guarantee of outcome. Obedience is not a guarantee of success. It's just a guarantee of reward. Um, but he told me to ask permission. If I'm unsure about something, ask him what I can do, and then he will give me specific Things, like actual practical steps. So I'm on a kick of doing that right now. Um, it's like Google Maps, when you miss the exit, it recalculates and it updates your route. And what it says is, you know, make a U-turn at the next light or turn left on, you know, whatever. It just gives you uh, a recovery step, an adjustment. It never says, oh no, you're lost. <laughs> that's life. That's life. And I hope that's a little bit encouraging uh, to you today. Uh, Father God, I pray uh, uh, that uh, as we are people of New Year's resolution, we have made our plans and we are chasing hard after your purpose, that you would guide us with specific steps 
uh, give us uh, ways to win this week. I pray that you'd be speaking to people this week, and I really pray, together with my brothers and sisters, that you would speak plentifully and powerfully at next week's prophecy service, that we would all be clarified and empowered, and that uh, all uh, whom we bring to the service uh, would hear your word and your guidance so that we can all walk together with you into uncertainty, but with specificity, because that's life. That's where the life is. And we embrace you in it. In Jesus' name, everybody says.